Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Hello and welcome to the Animal Files. We've got another treat for you today. We have another interview. We have an interview with Mary Paulette. She is based in Calgary and people refer to her as an animal communicator, a pet psychic, an animal medium, a pet whisperer. She is all the things. So we are going to have a wonderful conversation about this. And this is kind of in my neck of the woods here. So I'm very interested in this. And I'm going to turn it over to Miranda and she can just take it away. We're very excited to have you on today. You know, we love exploring these different unique but important areas that help our pets. Maybe what would be best is for you to explain what animal communication is or any of the other terms that get used around it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. It's really lovely to meet you, Victoria and Miranda. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. So animal communication, like I said, it can be called many different things. So a pet psychic, animal whisperer, dog whisperer, cat whisperer, horse whisperer, you know, um, animal medium. There's a whole bunch of different names that are out there. I go by an animal communicator because for me, it's about being able to communicate with the animals. So how my gifts work, because every animal communicator is different, right? Every, just like every intuitive has different gifts and we might all be clairvoyant, but we receive that information in very different ways. So for me, I hear, see, feel, think, even taste and smell all of the information that I get from the animals. So it's like I download all of the information and the way I like to explain it to my clients is like having a jigsaw puzzle in front of you. And then I put all of the pieces together because it's a really really easy visual to give my clients. So I put all of the pieces of the puzzle together and then I share with you you know, what I'm seeing, what I'm experiencing and feeling and all, all of the experiences that go along with that, that puzzle that I'm seeing in front of me. So yeah, it's pretty darn neat. Um, when I first started, I honestly thought that I was going crazy. I didn't understand what was happening and it really didn't occur to me that I've had the gifts all of my life until I started doing a, um, a certification program for the emotion code with Dr. Bradley Nelson. So in my certification process, I needed to work on animals and people. And so when I worked with people, I really liked it. I really enjoyed it, but it always felt like I was like, oh, it feels still a little bit hard. Like it didn't feel like I was in flow. And then when I started working on the animals, I was like, whoa, hang on a second. It was just like lightning. And so yeah, I remember the first time sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, what, this is so weird. And yeah, it was just all of my work that I had done up to that point allowed me to open up that realm, that's right? Amazing. So yeah, so that's what animal communication is. Yeah, it's super cool. It actually mirrors a little bit of my journey, but it definitely, I love the whole jigsaw puzzle thing because that yeah. is a perfect metaphor <laughs> of yeah. how most communicators and even just regular people psychics get their information and figure out that whole story. So I really, I love that analogy. 
so much. So thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. I have a lot of analogies. So, um, you know, I'm sure that there will be a few more. (laughs) (laughs) I just think it's it's a lot easier sometimes to explain it, right? Especially when you're trying to take the information from animals and make it into communication that we can understand, right? So relatable from um, a people perspective. So yeah, yeah. Mm. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting about communication because, you know, I think there's a lot of people who don't really think that animals communicate. Yeah. I think as humans, we've got this misconceived idea that the only way communication occurs is through speaking mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. verbal words. Yeah. I think a lot of people maybe have the awareness now that we also communicate through our body language, but that I think still has not really translated to non-human animals. No, absolutely. I totally agree. So a lot of times I like to let my clients know, you know, I wouldn't say that I have a niche market per se. I have, oh, like it varies, right? A very diverse clientele base. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we've grown past the, an animal is for our satisfaction, our enjoyment, our, I put in quotation marks, uh, novelty. You know what I mean? Like for our entertainment, you know, it's more than just walking them, feeding them, making sure they sleep and taking them to the vet the odd time, right? There are other needs that that animals need and not every animal has the same needs. And that's the other thing too, right? It's just like our school system. You know, mm-hmm. one curriculum, it doesn't necessarily, it hits the 80% of the spectrum, right? And I think a lot of our care regimes hit the 80% of the spectrum, but mm-hmm. there are animals out there who physical touch is their primary love language. Smelling is their primary love language or even visually, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we think that, okay, a dog just likes to run and chew on bones and chase balls and chew sticks and, and that type of thing. But there's way more that goes into their quality of life. Mm. And it just takes a little bit of, you know, opening the mind to figure out, okay, well, it's just like a person. Could you imagine if we ate the same thing every day and we did the exact same thing every day? It's, it's the same mm-hmm. for us. You know, sometimes we want a change of pace. That's why we go on vacations and, you know, there's things like chocolate and ice cream and wine right. and, you know, all those fun things. <laughs> right. I love that. I like, you are speaking our animal files language. (laughs) We have mentioned that in so many episodes of the podcast and the radio show, animals are people too. Yeah. We have to realize that there are at a soul level, they're just like us. Yep. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because our last episode for the radio show is about animal welfare science, which doesn't incorporate the energy aspect at this point, but Mm -hmm. maybe in the future it will, but it's exploring the idea of how animals respond to their different situations and experiences and environments and all of this kind of thing. And on an emotional, mental, and physical level, the animal communication is like the non-science part of it, Mm -hmm. I guess you could say that is kind of doing the same thing. Yeah. I love that earlier you'd mentioned that all psychics have their different things that they excel at. Yeah. I don't personally consider myself an animal psychic. I consider myself an animal translator because one of the things that we talk about a lot on this show is that animals are constantly communicating. They don't 
stop communicating. And it's up to us to pause our own ego and to be aware of the individual animal, as well as say the breed or the species to understand what they're trying to say. Yeah. Cause it's, everything is communication. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's just incredible. Animals are talking all the time and they are people too. <laughs> they need to have a voice. <laughs> So I love people like you that are giving animals that voice because it's such an important aspect of the relationship connection between an owner and the animal. Yeah. yeah. Very important. And I think the reason why it resonates so deeply with me is because growing up, I knew that there was something I put in quotations different. And I don't mean that in a bad or good way, just different, right? I just, I knew that my brain, I experienced the world in a different way than the people in my life did. And I never felt like I belonged anywhere. I didn't have a voice. I wasn't listened to, you know, it was just like, shut up and, and just sit there. You're, you know what I mean? Like stay out of the way. Right. And so not really having a nurturing childhood, I didn't feel seen. I didn't feel like I had a voice and it took me a really long time to learn my voice. So for me, it just so deeply resonates with me because animals aren't able to express their voices. So being able to be that conduit for them, just, mm -hmm. oh yeah, it's, it makes me emotional sometimes because I'm so passionate about it. Right. You know, that's all I do day in, day out, right. Is animal communication. Everything I do is to make me a better person so that I can channel better so that I can understand better and understand the universe and just, you know, evolving my thought process and my understanding. And so, yeah, I, eat, live, breathe, sleep, you know, all of that stuff. I mean, I do have other things in my life too, right? Don't get me wrong, but- um, well, Balance is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. You have to have the balance, right? But yeah, it's something I take very seriously. And uh, yeah, so my goal is just, is to educate as many people across the world as I can, right? So international animal communicator, that's my mission. I'm curious, you mentioned that you do things to try to improve your- talents. I don't know how you would refer to them, your unique abilities. Yeah. Cause it's something that was just natural for you to have this. It wasn't something you learned in a book or something like that. So how do you go about improving? Mm -hmm. So as humans, we are born in our natural essence, right? And as we grow, we have life experiences that kind of add layers on top of us, right? And so we shape our lives and our beliefs and our perceptions through those life experiences. So for me, I'm very passionate about kind of stripping things back to my essence and understanding and being very aware of what subconscious beliefs run behind me, why I do things the way that I do. So Tony Robbins is a really big part of my learning. I do all of his programs and I actually just finished mm -hmm. his entire master university, which was a really big investment. And I love it because he gets you back to you. Right. And so, and then there's therapy. So going through and working through everything that I went through when I was younger and processing that so that I have a deeper understanding and healing myself. Mm -hmm. And then also opening myself to different experiences and remaining open mm. and looking at, okay, well, you know, there is always, there's an A and B, right? So in a, a start and a finish, um, but there's always a million ways to get to where you want to go. So it's not always the way that you see it in your head, the way that you get to 
to the end point, right? So it's that and it's constantly learning from the clients that I work with every day as well. Because every session, in my opinion, anyway, there's something there for my client, but there's also learning there for me, right? Mm -hmm. So just being open to any learning that comes through my sessions as well and using that to be able to share that with others. The more learning I can do, the better. So yeah. Yeah, as we do, we get the downloads we need. Yes. And that's another part of the awareness. You got to do. You can be a book learner all you want. Yeah. But until you do, you're not going to get the downloads that you need to really move you forward into what your mission is, what your purpose is, what your plan for this world is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing too is letting go of this perception of perfection as well, because nothing is ever perfect. And I always know that whatever comes out in a session is meant to come out in a session. And there's no perfect way of being an intuitive either. So it's really giving up that need to look good and to be perfect and just not compare yourself. So I don't know if there's other intuitives that are listening to this or people who are wondering if they have intuitive gifts, whether that be with animals or people. But when you start comparing yourself to somebody else, you're not comparing apples to apples, right? Because your gift is going to be very, very different from somebody else's gift. So it's really important not to compare. And that was one of the things that I learned earlier on. Imposter syndrome, I think, is something that people go through as well, right? So like I said, I thought I was going nuts. I really did because I didn't understand what was happening. And at that time, I was working through embracing my gifts as well because I'm self-trained. So I have no like official training, if you want to call it that, Mm -hmm. you know, from any institutions or anything like that. It's just, it's all through my spirit guides and just jumping in, jumping in with two feet and 150%. Yeah. Full out. (laughs) That's the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. You wrote in um, your bio as well, that you're particularly passionate about helping animals and their owners with senior pets, chronic health conditions and end of life. Yes. So why those three things in particular? I don't know, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> it's just, it's something, I mean, like I do know, but I don't know, right? Um, so for me, it's just, I, I attract the clients I attract are end of life. It's like, I'm the chosen one to provide people that feedback to say, and I think it's because how I approach my sessions is just from a space of openness, compassion, and there's no judgment or anything like that. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times people aren't ready to hear it, but they're ready to hear it from me. And I honor that. And also end of life, having gone through that with my mom and just, I think that we view death as bad and death is not bad. It's just another beginning. Um, That was one of the things that I went through earlier on in my, in my journey, when I hit my nine year in my numerology, and I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, So any numerology people out there would totally get the nine year, but yeah, I was really afraid. And so, but it's, it's not death is just a new beginning and death is not bad. Mm -hmm. And I think death has been viewed as bad. So my job, I feel is to provide people with the knowledge and the understanding that it's not bad. It's just another evolution. And so a senior pet, the way my gifts work is that when I scan an animal, I'm able to pick up blockages in their body system. And I can tell people when there's things going wrong in their animal's body. So for example, I had a client from Ontario a few weeks ago. And when I worked with her, I said, it feels like there's something going on with your dog's 
liver, like, or like there's, there's something, there's an organ that's enlarged, but the dog presented normal, you know, just normal eating, normal exercise, temperament, all that kind of stuff. And then a week later, she started throwing up and they ended up at an emergency vet out of town mm. and her spleen had ruptured oh, wow. because it was enlarged. And then I have many, many stories of this where I have a client in the US in Las Vegas, actually, and her dog had a heart issue and there was blood pooling in her lungs. And so when that was coming up, I was like, I feel like there's lots of chest pressure. So it's things like that where we might not normally pick up in a vet exam mm -hmm. because we all know vets are very, very important, right? Like I believe in traditional yeah. medical care as well as holistic and natural and, and all that kind of stuff. So they have a really important role, but sometimes they're left perplexed as to, okay, well, the animal presents healthy, you know, uh, it's eating, it's sleeping, it's going to the washroom. There's no temperature. There's no markers of anything. And oftentimes there's something deeper that's going on. So that's where I can come in and scan them and let them know, Hey, you know, you might want to talk to your vet about this. So yeah. Yeah. Even early onset of diabetes, I've been able to catch early kidney disease. I've been able to catch yeah, so it's been really neat. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, there's many health conditions where it's already starting to develop, but there isn't any symptoms at that point yet. Yeah. So that makes it really challenging for the science based yes. people who are trying to help the animals because technology is not refined enough, maybe, to detect the really, really early on at this point. Maybe it will in the future. You know, it would be so great if the science community and the energy healing community could come together mm -hmm. and work to help the animals. And as Victoria had said before, let the ego get out of the way. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think ego is one of the biggest issues that we humans have when it comes to animals. Mm. We really need to get out of our own way and stop trying to put our own perceptions on what we think the animal is thinking yeah, because they think completely different than us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I find it interesting what you were saying about how people view death because other animals, they don't have that attachment. Mm -hmm. It's like death just happens. I call it, they're just changing their pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they can grieve because I mean, it's been shown that yes. elephants will grieve when they lose a member of their herd. But I don't think they hang on to it the way humans do. Sometimes. So it depends, right? It depends on what the, the bond is. Mm. So I actually had a few, and sometimes it's also absorbing the grief from the humans as well, right? But they still need to process it, right. even though they're they're acting like a sponge, they still need to process that, right? So there's still an impact to their physical mm -hmm. body and their energy space. But um, I had a client up in Edmonton, she messaged me the other day, and two Canadian geese, they were in a park, and she sent me a picture and one of them had gotten hit by a car. And then the other one was sitting by the goose in the middle of the road and would not leave. Leave. So I was helping them, you know, channel to the goose who was still alive and who was sitting there. And that goose was grieving because that was its life partner. Mm. Right. So, yeah, it's so sad sometimes. Mm. Mm -hmm. I think I've also seen videos of, I believe it was magpies that will gather in a group and they will 
kind of stay vigilant around one of the magpies that was in their group that had recently passed on. Yeah. When was it? A couple of years ago, there was a magpie that got hit by a car. And I learned a lot about magpies through that, actually. So magpies, when I, I remember when I first moved to Alberta, I was like, oh, those birds are so beautiful. And they're seen as the raccoon of Alberta, right? Oh, yeah. So Definitely. they're not so beautiful <laughs> yeah. to most people, but I still love their colors. And they're very, very intelligent birds. So I went and I picked up the magpie and it was really interesting when I looked at it in its eyes, I could see and like feel the intelligence coming from the bird. And it knew I was trying to help. Mm -hmm. So I took it to one of the veterinary clinics where the wildlife is, and then they called me to release the bird. So he was rehabilitated and they're territorial. So they have territories that they stick in and yeah, and they called me to be there to release him. And it was like for a few months after I knew, I knew who it was all of the time. And he sat in the tree right above the house and it was, you know, they were a lot less obnoxious. I'll use that word. So yeah, yeah. yeah. They like to tease Mr. Whiskers oh. and Mr. Whiskers, he just waits for them. They're like, he sits there and he looks up. He's like, I'm going to get you one day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it goes down to species and breed Yeah, and individual. There are some animals that get very attached. Yes. And there are other animals in that same breed and species that don't. Yes. It's interesting. And then of course you have things like magpies and elephants and of course the geese because they're most well most of the larger birds are life they have lifelong partners so there's an element of connection that they have that maybe a sparrow doesn't have mm -hmm. maybe a robin doesn't have so I think and Miranda and I always talk about how we have to treat every animal as an individual because yeah. mm -hmm. one magpie will be one way and another one will be another way because they have a sentience, mm -hmm. just like humans have many different degrees of intelligences within our species. Animals have the same thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I find that actually with pit bulls, I know pit bulls are a very controversial breed. My first experience of them was when I was policing. It was not a good experience. You know, not very many dogs respond well to uniform anyway, but just where I was policing in Toronto, I had a very traumatic experience with a pit bull and one of the people in my platoon got bit in the, in the leg and almost severed the, you know, the, the bigger artery in your leg. Immoral? Yes. Yeah. And if that gets severed, then, you know, it's fatal. So I never really had a great experience with pit bulls. And then when I started working with animals as an animal communicator for my business in 2018, I started working with pit bulls and I have a whole new respect and a whole new understanding of those dogs. You know, it's with any dog, you can have a little dog. So I have a client who had 16 stitches from a little Jack Russell Terrier. <laughs> and then I've got clients who have pit bulls who their babies crawl all over them and chew on their ears and, you know, all that kind of stuff, suck on their nose and, you know, mm -hmm. you name it. And they're just all over and they're mauling the dog. So yeah, it is very individual and yeah, it varies from breed. And then also the individual animals within the breeds too. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if the pandemic is involved in a lot of the work you do animals that might have behavior challenges as a result of the pandemic or as a result of how their owners are because of the pandemic? Yeah, I would say it's 
all of it. So definitely at the beginning, because I was virtual before the pandemic hit. So Mm -hmm. for me, it was a really easy transition to just ramp it up online. But yeah, so at the beginning, it was more about, oh my gosh, my animals are going insane because they're not used to having their humans home that much, right? Mm -hmm. And then they're learning how to manage their own energy And so are the humans because we see each other as, you know, physical bodies, but there's a whole space outside of us. That's like an imaginary bubble, you know, it's like an orb. And so when we're beside somebody, then those orbs, they mesh. And then that's when we get transfer of energy and all that kind of stuff. So at the beginning, it was, it was more about, oh my gosh, my dog is driving me nuts or my cat is going crazy because I'm home all the time. And then it went to, okay, well now the kids are home. How do we function as a full household? And then it was, okay, well, we're starting to go back to work, but we're also going really stir crazy. How do we handle this? And then it was also, the animals were getting too much exercise because their humans were home all the time. Mm. So they think that copious amounts of exercise is always good, not necessarily the case, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we went through that phase and then now it's more in the, okay, I'm going back to work. Now my animals don't know what to do without me and I don't know what to do without them mm-hmm. because we become really dependent on our animals too, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, yeah. And I can totally relate because when my boyfriend and I, we went to Las Vegas at Christmas and we both got COVID and we were stuck in Las Vegas for three weeks and it was heart-wrenching. I had really great people that were coming in to look after Mr. Whiskers, but there were days where I could just feel him and he was like, mommy, where are you? I miss you. I need you to come home. Mm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to go home. So (laughs) yeah, no, it's it's rough. I mean, my cat, her and her brother, we got them the September before the pandemic started at nine weeks old. So they only know for the most part, mommy and daddy our home all the time. Yeah. We lost Frankie just last September. So it's been an interesting environment for my Maisie because she's had to go through so many different changes. And now daddy's going back to work, but mommy's here all the time, but she's got to take care Mm -hmm. of grandma. So you were saying, you know, good for us and them, because I don't want to leave her now that she's, she's an only kitty now. Yeah. And I feel really bad. She's so attached to us that I don't want to leave her for more than six hours at a time. You know, for me, it's hard, but Mm -hmm. she gets a little weird when I'm in the other room and she can't see me. That's why the door is open now. You know, she'll sit there and meow at the door. So it's very, it's very interesting how animals, not only do they absorb the emotions that we have in situations like what we've been going through for the last two years, and they take that on and try to help us Mm -hmm. by carrying it is they're going through, oh, well, I didn't think I wanted it, but now I do. But now I don't know what I do if I have, have it. And so the thought process is as simple as it could be in their brain. They still have some type of intelligent thought process on how to move through all the different changes. Mm-hmm. Like one cat would be like, oh, no, I want them to go back to work. And then one was like, oh, yeah, no, don't, yeah. Go, don't go. 
Yeah. And you know, I work with a lot of animals that are not your traditional animal, like your traditional pets, right? So a lot of reptiles, fish. Mm. I, I have a lot of clients who come see me for their fish. Really? Um, <laughs> I had a client in Lethbridge, so just south, south in Alberta, and she contacted me about her piranhas. That was a really interesting experience. They <laughs> had imagine. a connection to her husband and her husband had had an injury. And I, I didn't know all this. And when I was connecting with her piranha, I said, okay, they're showing me and I could see out of their eyes, right? Like I could see the, the visions that they were sharing with me. Mm-hmm. And it was of a man sitting with a leg up and some crutches at a kitchen table at a wooden table. And yeah, they had lots of concern about her husband because her husband just had an accident and needed a lot of surgeries and was in a lot of pain. And yeah, so, and there's birds that I work with and it's the same thing. It's the same thing for whether it's a cat, a horse, a goat, a donkey, Hmm. you you know, like a hamster, guinea pig. It's the same for, for all that I found. Wow. It just goes to show that you can't just make an assumption that certain animals will not develop a connection because I mean that was kind of my immediate thought is like a piranha was actually concerned because you know I just yeah go corrupt piranhas as being like these aggressive fish but (laughs) yeah 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 and spiders and lizards and turtles and chinchillas and oh yeah rats oh my goodness the list goes on and it's the same, you know, there, there is an emotional connection because they know that you're the caregiver and then you have an emotional connection, right? So that vibrates off of each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad we're talking about this because I don't think a lot of people really sit and think about this side of it mm-hmm. because we're so attached to wearing animals like jewelry. Like I got to have this certain dog because it goes with my outfit or he's got to have a collar because it matches mm-hmm. some of the things that you see celebrities do. And then like mm-hmm. big buff guys have to have like a cane corso or a pit bull because it <laughs> presents a certain way or an image the status we have status. to stop using animals like entertainment like jewelry and we have to look at them as we would look at another human yeah because we're not that different mm-hmm. we just chose a certain life we have a certain body that may have certain limitations, but that doesn't mean that I don't have complex emotions and thoughts for the form that I chose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not all dogs like lots of exercise. You know, some of them just like to have average levels of exercise. And what really fills them up is just a good cuddle or just touching them a certain way. So that's the other thing I teach my clients. So I get information on like gateway points that they can connect with their animals. Mm -hmm. So I guide them through different ways to touch their animals to help their animals release whatever they take on from us, whatever they've taken on from their past, et cetera, just so that they have a release because uh, exercise isn't always the release point for animals, right? Right. And some of them do emotional eat. Mm -hmm. They're just like us. And we don't like to exercise, but we know we have to be at some level of activity for our health and we do it (laughs) begrudgingly. I'm sure a dog is the same way. (laughs) Oh, do I have to walk? Fine. Let's just go to the end of the block and back. That'll be enough. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I think I, I don't know what, what dog would I be? I don't know. I get up at 5 a.m. every morning to go to the gym. I'm I'm a weirdo. <laughs> I like Energizer Bunny. Maybe you're like a border so collie. probably like a border <laughs> collie. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Or an Australian Shepherd because those guys just go to. They're just like you know balls to the wall. <laughs> you know, 
on off. Yeah, I'm That's an all it. or nothing person, so I'd probably be more like a sight hound. Where like I just want to be a lazy <laughs> lap dog, but then if I see something, I go 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 go, and then I'm laying down again. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Miranda? <laughs> I'm not sure because I'm pretty laid back. I like to have some activity, but I like to go at kind of a moderate pace. <laughs> I'm not sure. Golden Retriever. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you know what? I did. um, I think that actually falls correctly because I did one of those sort of personality sort of tests kind of thing. And it was like connected to animals. And I think it was a Golden Retriever that I came up as. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) That's awesome. awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I'd probably be more like an Irish Wolfhound. (laughs) I'm just going to do what I need to do and just kind of lay on the couch and lay by the fire and just chill out until I see something that's fun. Yeah. Great Danes are like that too. Oh my gosh. Great Danes are, I love them. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So another one thing I wanted to go into a little bit is chronic health conditions. How much are you able to find that it might be connected to their stress level or to what is going on with their owners or their guardians, pet parents? Yeah, I would say it's a large majority of the time. And it really, you know, it's just like us, right? So there's a lot of schools of thought on the origins of cancer. And so one of the beliefs that I have is that it's an emotional disease, right? So it's when the emotion gets stuck in our body and then it gets so stuck and then it mutates, right? Because it's either suppressed or or what have you, right? Mm -hmm. And so yeah, there's lots of different ways that chronic diseases can come in and also genetically too, right? Like those things can be passed on from their parents and their parents, right? Like through, through the lines as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's definitely related to stress. Mm-hmm. How do you find that? Is, is that something you kind of feel or do they communicate that to you in some way that that's what's going on or? Yeah. You mean if they have something like a chronic health condition, how do they communicate that to me or their stress? How do they communicate their stress and how it might be connected to a health condition that they have? Okay. I'm just trying to think here. I'm so used to feeling it. So not used to articulating the (laughs) the whole process, but um, no, it's a great question though. So how that looks like is I would be connected to a dog, let's say who would have some stress. And then when I'm scanning their body, I would be able to tell you where in their body they hold their stress Mm -hmm. and then the impact of that stress on their body. So either, you know, their circulatory system or their neurological or whatever organs or digestion or what have you, right. Or their skin system. So that's where I'd be able to let you know, okay, this is how the stress is impacting them. This is how it's manifesting for them. And then ways to reverse that. And that's through those physical touch exercises that I give to my clients, Mm -hmm. just ways to interrupt, right? It's the same thing for us when we're triggered because we're all human. We all get triggers. So when we want to interrupt that pattern, we have to do something that is counterintuitive, right? Like it's just, it's, it's kind of like, whoa, what, what is this? Right. So the touch exercises that I provide interrupt the, just the neurological pathways, how they run, how the communication runs in the body. Mm -hmm. And so when you touch those points and it's just like light, it's like acupressure kind of, and, and they're just gateway points. So, and there's no science or anything behind this. This is just what I've been given as information as downloads from my guides Mm -hmm. and, and how I've 
taught myself. And so, and those touch points have been really effective in reversing some behavior. So that dog that I was telling you about that gave his owner 16 stitches, Mm -hmm. she can now touch him and Mm -hmm. she can put their noses nose to nose and she was never able to do that prior to working with me mm-hmm. so there's yeah it, it does work and it's the same with us you know that's the whole essence behind acupuncture and acupressure it's just it's making sure that the energy is flowing mm-hmm. because when the energy is not flowing there's a roadblock right so there's a traffic jam and when we have a traffic jam we always go okay well where's the fastest way that I can get to where I want to go and when we take a detour it's not always the most constructive way to take a detour it's the same thing in their bodies so Mm -hmm. and I think probably like us as humans we get these physical issues and we don't automatically attribute them to an emotion Mm -hmm. we just look at it like oh I have IBS (laughs) or and of course this is what big pharma likes to take and run with you know I think that goes the same probably throughout species they don't realize that oh well this congestive heart failure is because I'm absorbing my owner's depression right and it's stressing me out or I'm hyper stressed and so now my my liver is not working right that that connection is not there Mm -hmm. they just know that they're sick and so it takes somebody like yourself you can sit there and say okay you're holding the stress over here let's see if we can move this so you can alleviate that I'm a big believer that the animal heals themselves we just give them the pathway and we give them the tools so they can do Mm -hmm. so I think that's something that needs to be a part of the conversation yeah and then some of it is just like science-based too right like there is both sides to it right so there's definitely that and there was something else that I was going to say where shoot I don't remember but I'm sure it will come back to me yeah Yeah, well, you know, we've talked about this in our other shows, and, you know, we don't have like a complete answer for it. But, you know, it's really interesting how so many dogs and cats develop kidney disease or diabetes or all of these different things, and they're kind of attributed as old age disease. Mm And it's the same thing they do with humans in our society as well. It's like, oh, you're just getting older. So that's why you've got this problem, this mobility problem, this whatever kind of health issue. It's just because you're getting older. And our society has a tendency to not look beyond that and trying to find the root of the issue. Because I I personally believe that all health issues have a root. Mm-hmm. It starts yeah. on an emotional level at somewhere. Like Louise Hay, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, if we could just get Maisie to uh, clear out her feline leukemia virus, we'll be happy. <laughs> I'm doing well, but you know, that's one of those things, you know, she was born with it. Yeah. And that's just it. Right. And I think that's the point that I was going to make earlier is just, you know, yes, there's some animals that I work with who do have chronic health conditions where there is no stress They're, you know, they're not taking anything on from their owner or anything like that, but they do get sick. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's just like us, you know, you hear of people who have never smoked a cigarette in their life and then they end up getting lung cancer. So, you know, it's, it's the same thing. And sometimes it's emotional based and sometimes it's just, you know, the biological attributes, right? So age, weight, exercise, all of that kind of stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. the food that they're getting, because if they're ingesting a lot of human food and not healthy human foods, then that's going to impact their health system too, right? So yeah. We talk about how horrible animal nutrition is at this point and how that is a huge contributing factor to a lot of these diseases that animals get. Mm -hmm. 
And of course they're living much longer, which opens the door to diseases that they never thought an animal would get Mm -hmm. because they used to only live to be nine years old and now they're living to 17. That's like double the life. Yep. Cancer is cancer. They found dinosaur bones with cancer cells in the bone. So it's not like it's a new thing. Mm-hmm. But I think nutrition, just like you said, has, has a lot to do with a lot of these things. Yeah. And it's really conflicting for animal owners, especially for dogs, because you hear one school of thought saying that raw food is the only way to go and that no grains over here. And then there's just kibble only, and then there's cooked. And, you know, so there's a lot of conflicting information. And I say to my clients, it's just like us. So there's keto diet, there's paleo, there's Atkins, there's, you know, a whole bunch of different ways that we can eat as humans. So traditionally there's the food guide, right? So cucumbers is a really good example. Okay. So cucumbers are healthy vegetable. They're not great for everybody. Not everybody's body can digest cucumbers, mine being one of them, right? Mm. So I avoided cucumbers for a really long time and it cleared up a lot of my tummy issues. It's the same with animals. It's not just one size fits all for a lot of the approaches with animals. So Mm -hmm. it really depends on on the animal, anything the animal will tell you if it prefers, and it will tell you as well in symptoms and behavior, whether or not this food works for them or not. Right. Mm -hmm. So it goes back to them being an individual and with everything, they're an individual and you can't just do the same thing for every single animal across the board, whether it's exercise, whether it's food, whether it's whatever it might be. Yeah. And the same training methods. That's another controversial subject, Mm. you know? And so there's no wonder why there's a group of people who feel overwhelmed in owning their animal. They have the best interests, right? They love their animal, but they just don't know where to turn because, you know, you do your research and okay, so positive training is the way to go here. And then, you know, over here, it's like, well, no, they need boundaries. And, you know, I I never endorse physical correction with animals or anything like that. that. That's just my opinion. It just doesn't align with me. But as an animal communicator, it's like, it's hard sometimes. Uh, No, I don't want to say it's hard. It's not hard. I feel, I feel for my clients because there's so much conflicting information. Mm -hmm. It's the same as when you have a baby. Everyone has an opinion Mm -hmm. about how you should breastfeed your baby, how you should feed your baby, how you should train your baby to sleep and how you should do this and how you should do that. And, you know, it really depends on the individual baby. Yeah. And what you want to do, what works for you. Yeah. Right. And some of it's trial and error as well. Totally. Totally. And what I would like to see, I haven't seen too much of it in my circles, but I do see some of it in the animal world where, you know, there's a lot of judgment. I think there's just a lot of judgment in everything in the world today. And that's so unfortunate because, you know, you shouldn't be judged if you don't believe in raw food for your animal. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person and vice versa, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes those different schools of thought can be so clashing. Yeah, I think the best way to do is experiment. Yeah. I've had cats all my adult life. I've made mistakes and I've learned and I've grown and I tried and I've done and I worked and it didn't. And it's a progression. There's no right answer. Like you said, everybody's different. Every animal's different. For um, Maisie and her brother Frankie, what we did when they first came to us is we figured, let's just try everything. 
I wanted to give a freeze-dried raw diet. My other cats weren't so fan on it, but I felt that it was going to be better. And so we tried it, but we also had kibble, wet food. We tried it all. I can tell you right now, after two and a half years, my Maisie, she pretty much only goes for the raw. She'll pick at the kibble, but half the time I'm throwing the kibble out after a couple of days because she doesn't touch it. Wet food, I think I've given her wet food once in the past week and a half because she doesn't finish it all. But then sometimes she wants it. So I just follow her lead. She loves the freeze-dried raw. And in the spirit of variety, she gets rabbit, she gets duck, she gets turkey, she gets chicken. And some days she wants the chicken, some days she wants the turkey, and other days, or most days, she wants the rabbit. So I just follow her lead and I don't try to judge. And you've mentioned it a couple of times uh, since we've been talking about not judging. Yeah. You just try, you do, and you listen to your animal. Yeah. And also listen to yourself Mm. because you're like a sonar, right? And that's the other thing that I work a lot with my clients is so that they can get a further understanding of their animals and they can learn how to do that. How does their animal like to communicate with them and where are they likely to be able to receive it first? Because we all have the ability. It's just, you know, some people don't want to, and that's why they hire me. Some people want to, and they want to learn, and that's why they hire me too, right? So to coach them and walk them through, how can they start to communicate with their animals? So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I just have a couple more questions for you so that um, we don't have you here all night. (laughs) Hey, no worries. I'm enjoying it. I can't believe an hour has gone by already. It's been amazing. I loved it. It's so funny. It's just like sessions, some sessions or like conversations, they just go by so quick, right? right? (laughs) Yeah. So you did mention earlier on that you were an emotion code practitioner or that you became certified in it, but you also are certified in bioenergy healing. What exactly are both of those and how does that incorporate in what you do? Yeah. So with bioenergy healing, it's a technique that you do um, in person. So you can do it remotely, but I don't practice it remotely. Bioenergy healing is actually not something that I do a lot of. When I say bioenergy healing, I mean as prescribed, right? Like as taught. Mm -hmm. So the way my gifts work and how I got into energy healing was because I was trying to pigeonhole myself Mm -hmm. or just identify myself some way and understand how my gifts were working. That's how I stumbled across the emotion code because I knew that it was within my hands. And I'll get to what the, the difference is between them both. But where I'm going with this is that, yeah, I just, I knew that there was something with hands. So with bioenergy healing, it's about working with people and taking like energy from source and sending that to their energy field and then balancing it out. It's kind of like Reiki, but you're not touching the person. Sometimes in Reiki, you touch the person, but you're much further back from the person. Mm -hmm. And then you can get intuitive information from that too. Mm -hmm. And it's about cleansing the energy field. The emotion code is about releasing trapped emotions. So how I incorporate those two I don't incorporate them specifically as prescribed because my gifts just kind of took them. So I don't know, I call it the MP gift because I just, I don't know how to describe it and how my hands work, but it's a combination of like Reiki, white light and releasing the trapped emotions. So when I'm scanning and I know that we're on Zoom right now to facilitate our conversation 
but if people were able to watch this, they would see the way my hands, and I'll probably post a video soon of how I work. So how I scan, I scan with my hands, almost like I'm reading Braille. Mm -hmm. And then that allows me to say, okay, so that's where the rejection is. That's where this is. That's where this energy center is. And then I can pick up some of the visual cues that they give me from that blocked emotion. And then I can help release it and transmute that, right? Mm -hmm. So that their body can release it and then get the energy going again. Mm -hmm. So they're definitely part of how my gifts were formed because it's part of my training that I had. And then I just use those as building blocks to strengthen just the, my own gift that came through in my hands. So, yeah, that's cool. That's kind of, I just call myself integrative energy. <laughs> hey, there you go. I just combine it all. It feels more aligned. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of communicators and healers are moving in that direction. Like a Reiki practitioner is not going to stay just Reiki. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as the human race and as a planet accelerate, it's going to feel too slow. So we're going to have to keep layering the different types of energy work on top to really facilitate the healing and create the environment for whomever we're working on yeah. to move and release the things that they're trying to release. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, I love that. Yeah. These last questions I have for you are kind of deep, maybe. <laughs> Ooh, I'm excited. Bring it on. <laughs> well, I don't know if deep is the right word, but it's just based on a response that I had from somebody recently. I thought these would be good questions for you to be able to address. Have you ever had anyone react or refer to your work as being fake or taking advantage of desperate or vulnerable people? Oh, wow. Um, no, not from a client base or anyone that I've worked with, but I have met people who, and I think it was more so at the beginning because I wasn't both feet planted on the ground. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and solid in my gift, in my work and, and all that kind of stuff. I was still new. Mm -hmm. um, and so still kind of cutting my teeth. So now I just, I say it so matter of factly that I don't really put it out there that it's weird. Mm -hmm. You know, some people think it is and I'm like, mm, okay, yeah, no worries. Because I don't need to, I don't need to prove yourself. <laughs> no. Uh, what's the word? I, I don't need to convert anybody, oh, yeah. you know, where I am very, I'm very okay with people being skeptical. And I have tons of clients who like husband and wife will come see me or partners will come see me. One of them skeptical, the other's not. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the session, the skeptic is like, oh my gosh, we need to book another session. So I see that a lot. And I was also a skeptic myself mm -hmm. when I first started and was working with my guests. I was like, there's no way this, there's no way I'm making this SHIT up, you know? like that's that's the way it came across for me so I can relate with the skeptics because I was too scared to believe it that's what my story was right mm -hmm. I was too scared because I knew I had the gifts I just didn't know how to embrace them and you know there's a whole story that goes along with that mm -hmm. but yeah I've never really I, I guess because I don't I don't hold that in my space where I need people to believe I'm okay if people don't believe mm -hmm. And so I have had people in my business networking group who have said to me, I am strictly science-based. I don't believe anything that you do mm -hmm. and I don't believe it. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Cool. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Cool. Of course, all of that is science-based. We just haven't uncovered the science. Right. Because right. science yeah. is always yeah. behind. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh goodness. But yeah, that's a really good question though. And, and I, yeah, and I'm open to it too. Like I'm open to the conversation for people who don't believe. Mm-hmm. And I get more questions of like, how can you explain it to me so that I can understand it? And that's where all my analogies come from mm-hmm. is trying to make it so that it's easier for people to bend their mind mm-hmm. and wrap their head around and have an understanding of it. Right. So for those people who are not completely close-minded to it, and are maybe considering looking into it. Now, I mean, in any industry that you deal with, there's always going to be people that are not genuine. They don't have integrity. They're maybe all about the money or whatever the case may be. So if they're looking for something like what you're doing, is there something that they should be looking for or specific questions to ask to be able to determine if they are actually dealing with somebody who is genuine and has integrity? Absolutely. So uh, one of the things I believe is having a consultation. So in a free consultation, if you have to pay for a consultation, I, I don't know, that doesn't leave a good feeling for me. So I offer a free consultation because it has to be a right fit, mm-hmm. right? So it has to be a right fit for me and it has to be a right fit for my client. And so I I think having a a free consultation and being able to ask questions and being able to interview, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. How long have you been working in doing this? You know, what types of animals do you work with? What are the main issues that you find? Or what do you feel is your strength? You know, being able to have those open conversations, I think is really important. Mm -hmm. You can tell from a mile away when somebody's trying to sell you. If you're being sold, then that's your answer right there, because it should never be about the money transaction, right? right? So just keep an eye out for that. And I think we all know when we're being sold versus when somebody's being authentic. So there's that I would look out for Mm -hmm. and communication, having open communication. So, you know, from the aspect of being able to answer the questions, but also having accessible communication with whoever you're thinking of of choosing to work with. Google reviews are another good thing to look at. Mm -hmm. Also word of mouth, right? right? Word of mouth and taking into consideration people that you know, their experiences and have a look around. Like have a look around at a bunch of different animal communicators or intuitives or what have you. And you'll know it's the same thing. So I just posted a video not too long ago about when you go to a website and you're not sure, let's just say what plumber to choose. And you're like, oh gosh, I don't know. There's this company, ABC company. And so go to their website and you're like, I don't know, something just doesn't feel right about it. And then you go to another website. You have no idea why, but you're like, oh yeah, I I feel like I could trust this person. I'm going to choose them. Right. So it's, yeah, it's the same thing. Just listen to yourself and listen to that feeling that you get because your feeling, your body center will always tell you if you're in the same vibration, right? right? So I think the challenge comes in when people are in that sort of desperate state, you know, they've tried everything else and maybe their animal is like close to dying and they're not willing to let go and they're just, they're trying everything they can. And maybe at that point, people don't know how to step back and sort of say, oh, how am I feeling about this? Or what questions should I ask? And that's probably where people have been taken advantage of because they maybe go for the first one that they go with and they don't maybe recognize that that person is trying to sell them or not genuinely trying to help them. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, like some animal communicators will tell you, make sure that they have some type of certification or anything like that. 
But I, I think, you know, that's really subjective. I think if you're real, you can't fake that, right? Mm. Yeah, I know. Like right when you're in the middle of it, you're desperate. Like you said, it's, it is really hard. Mm. And I think we all know when we're feeling that desperation. And I would say, just take a step back take a step back and and sit on it. And if one of the ones that you've looked at resonates with you, let's say overnight, then that would be the person that I would connect with the next day. But always trust too, not blind trust. I'm not talking about blind trust, but I think we need to not specifically here, but Mm -hmm. just in general, bring the conversation back to the universe always has our back. The universe is never out there to tank us. And so trust that the decision that you're making is the decision that will be supported by universe as well, mm-hmm. or whatever higher good, mm-hmm. right? Your, your God or your deity or, or whoever that higher power is right. for you and trust that they have your back and that what's meant to be is meant to be and that you're supported. Mm-hmm. Just having that belief and that faith mm-hmm. That goes a long way too. Mm-hmm. I always go with what feels light, what feels heavy. Mm-hmm. That's been yes. my go-to lately because if I go, okay, how does this feel if I make this decision? And it feels like, uh, or, hmm, then I know it's, oh, okay. It actually feels like it, it yeah. energetically feels lighter. Yep. And I yep. think that's probably one of the first things that maybe somebody who is not familiar with listening to their intuition can use. Like if you feel your body kind of recoil a little bit Mm -hmm. from a decision, it's probably not for you. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And I often say to my clients too, it's the Marie Kondo. I think it's Marie Kondo, right? Tidy up your life. You know how she asks you to to hold everything. And if you feel joy from it, then that's your answer. Mm -hmm. And you don't even need to hold it. You know, when you're in front of something, right? It's just, it's no different than when you're in a room of people, you know, who you gravitate towards to, and you know, who you're like, Whoa, I'm not going over there. It's the same thing. When you choose an animal communicator, I would say, use that because you're reacting that way for a reason. Mm -hmm. Right. So for me, because I come more from a science background, very um, analytical kind of mind like I'm open-minded to a lot of the spiritual stuff, but I'm still learning how to connect with my intuition and how to recognize, is it even my intuition that's talking to me or is it my ego, you know? Mm. So yeah, I I find it challenging, but, (laughs) but yeah, I, I think the light and heavy thing is kind of a a good tip as well. It's a really good gateway yeah. to getting in touch with your intuition because your body, I believe your body will never steer you wrong, but your mind always right. will. Exactly. Right. <laughs> in your head, you're dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what Tony says all the time in your head. You're oh, dead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Stay in your body because your heart center is its own system. It has its own brain, mm-hmm. right? So that's where all of our wisdom is. And yeah, our brains are really, really complex computers. They're just in a biological form, not in a tablet form or computer form. And sometimes they're not always right. Yeah. And they're also based on our conditioning and our environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're really stuck, just look at their pictures. And then use it as the same thing you would do in in a room. Who do you gravitate towards and who don't you gravitate Mm. towards? And then just go with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's no different than seeing a rack of purses or a rack of jackets or a rack of, I don't know, insert whatever you love. So for me, like running shoes, you know, you look at them and you're like, oh my gosh, those are awesome. Then yeah, go with those. Mm. 
<laughs> How I choose my crystals. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> You'd be here for like three hours. So. <laughs> right. So let's that's bring it awesome. back to the animal communication. Do you have any last minute questions, Miranda? Well, not questions, but there is a couple of other points to talk about. One is your background, because you have a very, I would say, eclectic background. <laughs> yes. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you moved from that background to what you're doing right now? Yeah. Okay. So it would probably start with, as I touched on earlier, I always felt that I was different. So in high school, I didn't really have a regular group of friends. I kind of floated in between. Right. And so I really didn't start applying myself in high school until grade 12. And in Ontario, we go to OAC, which is mm -hmm. grade 13. And it was actually my English teacher, Dr. McCullough, and he really invested in me. And so just being seen, I was like, oh, this is what it's like to be seen and to be just seen as an individual, like somebody mm -hmm. has interest in me and wants me to excel. So from there, I started applying myself more and I started taking night classes and I took a night class in law. And my professor there said, you really need to become a police officer. I think you would be an amazing police officer. And I thought, oh, okay, sure. Yeah, let's do it. So then I started applying to police services and just dove right in. I got hired with Peel Regional Police and I was 21, super, super young. And it was both the best thing and worst thing at the same time. Uh, I learned a lot from it. Hard lessons as well. Really beautiful lessons as well. And just one day I saw what my life would become and I wasn't okay with that. And that was one of the first downloads that I got. And I just knew I felt it right through to my core. I was sitting in my cruiser on a night shift and I was sitting there like, holy crap, what was that? And it scared me. And I thought, okay, I know what I need to do. I need to pick up and leave. Oh my gosh. Everyone thought I was nuts. I sold my house. I quit my job. I left a pension, you know, like just, and everyone was like, what is wrong with you? What are you doing? And so then from there, so in between, I had actually taken a vacation with WestJet and I just started talking with the, with the flight crew. And I thought to myself, huh, you know what? I need to become a flight attendant. I need to get back to seeing people for who they are and just helping people. Cause there's actually a lot of people who are afraid of flying, who have are flying for the first time. So I just wanted to get back to people and seeing people for who they really were. So then I said to myself, okay, you know what? I'm going to move out to Calgary and I'm going to become a flight attendant. So they turned me down. WestJet turned me down at first. And I said, that's okay because I'm moving out there. So you're, you'll hire me now <laughs> or you'll hire me later. That's the only reason why I got the interview. Dave tells my recruiter at the time, he said, that's the only reason why you got the interview. <laughs> and um, so then I moved out here and I started working with WestJet and we got inspected by a cabin safety inspector from Transport Canada. And I started talking with her and I was like, oh, hang on a second, law and aviation? Uh, hello, because before I decided to become a police officer, I was taking a lot of courses in aviation and mm. learning how to fly as well. So I wanted, it was either pilot or police officer. I chose police officer. 
And so then I was like, oh, I can combine both of my favorite things, flying, like aviation and law. Let's do it. So then I started working with the federal government and I started taking French language training. So that was a two-year course. And I worked full-time with an instructor over Zoom, actually. And that's what started my journey because I started to experience physical symptoms And that was me rejecting my gifts. And she was an intuitive. And that's how Mm. I found out she was an intuitive. And she said, you're rejecting your gifts. You really need to step into them. So I started that journey. And yeah, that's my (laughs) eclectic background. Wow. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. 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 I thought mine was eclectic, but no, (laughs) you got me beat. (laughs) Right. So yeah, it's been fun along the way, like amazing lessons. And yeah, I wouldn't take it back. I wouldn't take any of it back. So I, you know what I, you know what I love about that is the ability to approach anything Mm. with wonder and excitement and not limit yourself. If something doesn't feel right, but you're still excited about it, try it. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I love it. And it's just so interesting that you're the second person who had a background in the police force and then moved into energy work that we've interviewed. Yeah. So <laughs> we need to like get more people like that. Like, come on, share it. Yeah, we do. <laughs> you also mentioned that you want to have a focus on international reach, rescue, and volunteer work. So is that what you would like to do more of, I'm presuming? (laughs) Yeah. So a lot of my clients I get through referrals. So word of mouth referrals and Google, and I have clients all over the world. So I have a really big client base in Australia. Oh, there's been Italy, Switzerland, Netherlands, the UK, Germany, all over the US, all over Canada. I know I'm leaving out some countries in there. I said this to somebody else who interviewed me a little while ago. You know how most people have a map of the world for where they've traveled? I have a map of the world with where my clients are. (laughs) How neat. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm looking to conquer, looking to conquer the world. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And what about the rescue and volunteer work you want to support? Yes rescue associations with what you do or? Yeah. So what I'm working towards right now is creating partnerships with rescues so that I'm part of the adoption process Mm. or the intake process for an animal, just like a veterinary check is so that they can have a better understanding of, okay, this is what an ideal home is, even a foster home for this animal. Mm. This is what an ideal family situation is for this animal, because a lot of times we do our best to understand their background, but we really don't know what they've been through Mm -hmm. and being able to provide that insight just makes them like miles ahead, right. Mm -hmm. In being able to understand what that dog really needs or what that cat or animal really needs. Mm -hmm. Because right now, let's face it, I think the majority of, of how animals are rescued or adopted is, oh my gosh, that dog looks really, really cute. I want to adopt it. Right. So we get hung up on the looks of it, right. As opposed to what's going to be the right fit. Mm -hmm. And so that's my focus with rescues Mm -hmm. is looking at, okay, what's the right fit Mm -hmm. so that we're increasing their forever home rate, you know, like rate of placement, that's successful placement Mm -hmm. and long-term 
like the longevity, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Truly giving animals a voice. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Cause I think there's, well, I don't know what the percentage is of animals that end up getting returned because they find out that it's not the right fit. And sometimes it's not just about the animal being cute or whatever, but there could be an issue with other animals being at home or maybe a conflict yeah. between children and the animal. Yep. Hopefully that's something that we'd ask about ahead of time. But yeah, there's a lot of different things that can be considered. Yeah, because a lot of times the animals come into the rescue and they're placed into foster, but you're really not seeing the full essence of the animal until about six months, right? So they might be really great around animal uh, like children right now, Mm -hmm. but that's just because they don't feel safe right? Mm. They, they feel like they have to be on their best behavior. They don't understand what the dynamics are, but once they start to get more comfortable, then you'll start to see actually children are, are not a really good mix for this animal, right? Mm-hmm. So they actually become a stress point. So right. having that knowledge ahead of time, it really just makes it so much easier on the fosters. It makes it easier on the animals. It just makes it easier all around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully we'll get to a point one day I don't know if it'll be anytime soon, but that rescues and shelters won't be needed anymore because all the animals will have a home. They won't be strays or ferals or abandoned or whatever. Yeah, that's a big ask. (laughs) But you know, that, that touches on another point. So we have this belief as people that animals need to be domesticated. Not all cats and not all dogs want to be domesticated. Some want to stay feral. It's just like, you know, some people prefer to live in sun destinations and they want to stay in sun destinations. And if you force them to go into a winter destination like Switzerland or even like, you know, Iceland or something like that, right? It's just, it's not eventually they're going to run away. Mm. Right. So yeah, we need to give up on that expectation that all animals need to be, I put in quotation marks saved. I don't mean saved as in their life saved. I mean, saved as in come into a home because that's not always the best option for some animals. Mm -hmm. You know, it causes them too much stress to be around people. So yeah. 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 But I also think that a lot of the ferals that exist developed because of people abandoning them and overpopulation. Yes. Yeah, there is that issues. too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if we get more animal communicators listening to the animals, we'll know better. Yeah. Exactly. Hopefully we can use that and be able to build up our trap and release mm-hmm. program so the animals can still have their life, but they're not producing offspring to add to the population problems. Yeah. There's so much work, but yeah. the part that I agree with you, Miranda, is it, it can be done. Like there can be a balance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And right yeah. now we are, there is, there is no balance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just that a lot of the, I think a lot of the animals that don't have homes, a lot of them are not healthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not necessarily that we need to force them into a home, but if we can take steps just to help them be healthy, so they're not spreading the diseases and they're not yeah. contributing yeah. to the population and all of that kind of stuff and provide them with proper shelter that they can go into when it's like inclement weather and that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And still like taking care of them like we would do our homeless. Yeah. 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 I did see something I thought was wonderful. I was on Twitter and 
I guess in India, I don't know if it's just certain cities or whatever, they have these little, the recycling things where you put and recycle and it drops kibble for the stray dogs because they have a stray dog problem. Hmm. So you're doing two things. You're recycling your plastic, but you're also feeding the stray dogs. So they're not becoming a nuisance by trying to break into stores and rumming through garbage. Yeah. And so there's these different little kiosks, recycling kiosks on the street that do that. Hmm. That's one of those first steps right. towards right. taking care of yeah. the stray populations mm-hmm. that we have around this world. Right. And it does something great for the planet too. So there you go. <laughs> I know. I love it. Well, I think that's covering everything that we were going to cover. And unless you have something else that you would like to share that we haven't talked about yet. No, I don't think so. We covered so much. (laughs) I know. I know. Yeah. So where can people find you so that they can connect with you? whether to ask questions or to utilize your services. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a website. So it's www.marypaulette.com. And you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram under Mary Paulette McDonough. Mary Paulette is actually my first name. Some people think that Paulette is my last name, but it's Mary Paulette. So if you just type in Mary Paulette Animal Communicator on Google, you will find me. And uh, yeah, you can connect with me on my website, Facebook or Instagram. Instagram. And we'll have all the stuff in our show notes. So if you want to get more information, just go to the show notes on the podcast page and look her up. I think we're done. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been such a wonderful conversation. Yeah, it really was. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been a really great conversation. I love all the topics that we covered and how organic the conversation was too. It was really, really great. So thank you so much. And thank you for being such a wonderful guest. Yes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Lovely host. <laughs> thank you. Just, it was fascinating learning some of the different things that I wasn't aware of as well. So. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I can't believe like how fast the time went. It yeah. went by so fast. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So thank you so much for joining us. We're so glad to have you come back again. You are always welcome here on the Animal Files. I guess we can let you go off and start talking to all those animals. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much, ladies, for having me. It's been a really great evening. I really enjoyed it. Thank Thank you you so much. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. So that was a great conversation. I'm so happy that we were able to have Mary Paulette on the show today. I hope you all enjoyed that and you got some great information. Definitely go check her out and look into her services. She has an awful lot of experience under her belt and she knows what she's talking about. So definitely look her up. If you like what you're hearing, make sure to give us a little bit of a follow on Instagram, which is the Animal Files Official, Twitter, which is the Animal Files, Facebook, the Animal Files Official, or you can join our group, the Animal Files Community. You can email us at theanimalfilespodcast at gmail.com. And most importantly, the place where you can find all things Animal Files, plus support the show through Patreon, and merchandise, we have our website, theanimalfilespodcast.com. 
So go check all that out. Rate our podcast so that we are able to be found by more people and be able to give more value to potential listeners out there. And if you feel called, maybe give us a comment so that we know what you would like to hear more of or maybe what you would like to have us change. Feedback is good. We <laughs> like it here. All right. So that is that. So have a great week and we will see you next time on the Animal Files podcast. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.